You are listening to the Yo Rewind That Podcast, the show that brings you hip-hop and pop culture talk from the 90s to 2000s with your host, B-High. Hey, yo, what's up, world? Welcome to the Yo Rewind That Podcast. I'm your host, B-High. And on today's episode, I'm chopping it up with Robert Richard. He's going to talk about him being in the Jamie Foxx show, one-on-one, and Cousin Skeeter. And he's going to tell us some exclusive stories. Oh yeah, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Yo Rewind That. Let's get into this episode. So, how's it going, man? Just We're going to jump right into it. Fuck yeah, yo. So, can we curse on this? Oh, shit? hell yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I like it. I like it. All right. So, I'm in L.A. Shit's great. Just getting after it carpe diem seize a day you know freaking hunt for your food whatever the analogy is i'm after it man that's what's up i feel you on that so from doing my research i read that you somewhat stumbled into acting by running from a gang could you tell the listeners more about that story yeah true story true story i was i live in the crenshaw area uh and you know like everything birds of a feather flock together and you know just who my whole crew was we was always in trouble always fighting and it just happened to be one of those times where just timing just had it out for me or i just wrong dudes by myself and i was just like uh i'm not trying to take an l right now not today so it was a random like building that was next to me that I never even knew what the building was. I just dipped inside this alley and went around the backside and went inside. And when I walked up there, there was like these stairs, walked in, and this lady was like, hi, can I help you? And I was like, what y'all do here? And they're like, this is called Faith Acting Studios. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, can I get like a tour or something? But in my mind, I was just thinking stalling, you know what I mean? Because, you know what I mean? Wrong, wrong, wrong niggas is outside. So I'm like, I'm just trying to, in here, just trying to buy my time, you know what I mean? So she, this lady, her name is Miss D. She gave me a tour. And then she was telling me all the stuff they do here. And then I went back to the office with her. And they had all these pictures of these hot girls, like all these young actresses and stuff. Got you, got you. That's what's up. Now, now motherfuckers who know me know that's my Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at all these girls. I'm like, they go to school here? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to need an application for show. You know what I mean? That's what's so, up. So, I, you know, whatever. Put like, you know, my house number. It's the 90s, so... People don't have cell phones yet like that. You yeah. put your house your house number down. And the lady ended up like calling my moms and being like, This is Faith Acting Studios. We think your son's great. Like he should come down here. So like when I first got to class the first day, you know, like I listened to Pac, I listened to Biggie. I'm sitting in the back of the class, like, I'm not participating in this. You know? Like I I'm here for the girls, but like it's not, I'm not here to be like an actor. Nothing. That's not like of my interest. No, yeah, I feel you. You know what I mean? So I kind of sat in on a bunch of classes and never really participated. And someone was just like, are you scared? I'm like, scared of what? Like, stand in front of these fucking squares and fucking, <laughs> you know 
You know what I'm saying? Like making up some shit. I'm like, I could do that all day. So I I got up in front of the class and I remember saying, listen, if I get up here, I'm going to be the best actor this school has ever seen, like hands down. Like on some like, you know, just that's how my mentality was. And, you know, like I I relate a lot of things to like sports. So like you think the 90s, you think like Magic and Jordan. Yes. Like that, like you know what I'm saying? And they just came out to destroy you no matter what the circumstance. It could be practice. Jordan would tell his players, like, I'm going to beat your ass in practice so bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, so even though this was like a, a class, a school, I still thought about life in that way. So I was like, I'll be the best actor y'all ever had come out of this school. And then I was. <laughs> and, and I worked my ass off. I just like, was always, I got on stage, I stayed on stage. I didn't want to ever be off stage. I got in plays, I did improv, I did scene study. I would sneak into other classes all the time. I just never stopped. And then, like, I put all that training in, I got on the right project, and I won an Emmy. And the rest is history. Man, that's what's up. I was definitely a big fan of your work in the 90s. So with that being said, let's start off with the Jamie Foxx show. How did that opportunity come about? So, okay. So the way that it worked for the Jamie Foxx show, there was a lady named Yunetta Boone who was um, a writer on that show along with Benny Richburg and who else? And there's another writer. He's, I mean, if he's watching this interview, he's so mad that I forgot. Cooper James, I think is his name. Uh-huh. And there's another writer too who wrote for Full House. Anyway, all these writers, they wrote for the Jamie Foxx show and they brought me on for like the first episode I did for Jamie Foxx was like an athlete, like a bad athlete, like a drug dealer kid, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like on the on the playground. Oh, the bully and, episode. Yeah, exactly. The bully episode. Now, what's so funny about that is Gary Payton was on that episode. He was there on set and he was on an episode. And I remember walking up to Gary Payton and just listening to how GP just talks shit. Like, because everybody in the NBA know the two players who talked the most shit was Gary Payton and John Stockton. Yeah. John Stockton was the biggest <laughs> shit talker. But GP was like the one that just had the mouth, the glove. And so I remember like talking with him and like he would say something and I would say something back. And he'd say something and I would say something back. And he was looking at me like, you like, like a nigga. (laughs) 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 So so Gary Payton ended up giving me his, uh, his tailor's number to go get a suit fitted for me for prom. And he paid for my suit. Like, I'll never forget that. Man, that's a pretty epic story right there, man. Thank you for sharing that story. I don't think I ever heard you uh, tell that story on any other podcast or interview. I've never told that story. No one knows that story except for you. It was homecoming. It was homecoming. It wasn't prom, but still. Okay, okay, cool. Got my suit to prom, to homecoming. Hey, let me ask you this. What did you learn from Jamie Foxx? Did he give you any, like, acting advice for roles in the future? Okay, so let me let me ask you a question first. Okay, who what audience is watching like this show? Like, is it everybody or is it like you know what I mean? Like, have you cultivated an audience that's like us? Oh yeah, my my audience is definitely people who grew up in the nineties and two thousands. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna be frank with you. Jamie was like, you should just go ahead and capitalize 
on all this madness because you the star. Like, whatever that was, like, he put that in my head to, like, capitalize on it. So I did the Jamie Foxx show. I did a couple more. I moved to Toronto, Canada, and Jamie Foxx was living in the same hotel making the movie he did with Steven Seagal. Um, what was it called? Out of Time? I can't think of the name of it, but it was a movie that Jamie Foxx did with Steven Seagal. He was living in the same hotel. Jamie Foxx took me to my first strip club. <laughs> uh, Jamie Foxx had me out every night in Toronto. And Jamie Foxx had me at every after party that I should not have been at, at a 15, 16, 17-year-old, straight up. So, so, so I'm just saying, when he was telling me to, like, capitalize on the opportunity, like, I didn't miss that, but it was accelerated because I was with the right crew. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, there might be people out there who don't know this side of me, but listen, you know, still waters run deep. So let's keep going. Okay, man, it's time to get with the shits. I was debating on whether or not to ask you this question, but now I have to ask you. How in the hell did you survive being around all those beautiful women in Hollywood? Especially, what's her name? Is it Garcia? 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 From the Jamie Foxx show? Because she was fine as hell. Oh, uh, Garcia Bouvet. Garcia Bouvet. Okay, so I'm going to tell you both versions of the story. So the, the first version of the story is there's this girl in L.A. at the time that I was growing up named Whitney Epps. And everybody knows who she was. She was just like that bad bitch, like like pretty ass black girl, like going to Stanford, like got her shit together. And that was my girl. So in a certain light, like I already had the baddest chick. You know what I'm saying? Like she just she like was a black girl, but like went to private school, like had all the pretty friends, was like the number one girl at all the parties. And everybody who from LA knows that like Whitney Epps was my my girlfriend at the time. Now, the the cute part of the story is that like we had been friends since we were like three or four, because our families were close. But it was like, it was like the way that my path went and the way that she, her path went, like we kind of like separated for a little bit. And then when we came back and we became like an item, everyone's like, oh, like Rob's on TV and got this girl. But I'm like, I know this girl since I was like three. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? But like in my mind, like I felt like Jay having Beyonce. Like ain't no other batter, bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, because like after she dated me, she dated like a very prominent basketball player who's the number one player in the world. <laughs> she, she, she dated a lot of people after me that would say, yeah, she was definitely the baddest chick. Separately from that, like, because we were friends, I told her too much stuff and got dumped so hard by her because I was telling her stuff as a friend. And she's like, I know we're friends, but... I'm still your girlfriend. You can't tell me that kind of information and think I'm going to stay with you. So that was like, you know what I'm saying? So there was other things that were happening in like the Hollywood life of like celebrity girls and what whatnot and famous girls being in my hotel. And, you know, I'm living like an adult. When I'm making all these projects, they got me living in like five-star hotels. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm living a life. 
like my next door neighbor when I was living in Toronto, I lived next to Jamie Foxx. I lived next to DMX. I lived next to Denzel Washington. Holly Berry was in my building. Like Garce- uh, uh, Tom Brady's ex-wife, the one before Giselle was like, I would see her like cleaning her panties in the freaking laundry room. Like what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like Terrence Howard was there. Like everybody was in this one hotel called the Sutton Place. And if you know Toronto, in the 90s, they called the Sutton Place the Slutton <laughs> Place. <laughs> my, I, when I was making Light It Up, it was like my, my next door neighbor was Ush. I live across the hall from Fredro Starr, down the hall was Rosario Dawson. Like, we would go out every night. Like, Ush was on tour with Janet Jackson. So, Everything was like, yes, yes, yes. Everything was like, no friction. And bro, I'm like, you know, like, fuck a teenager. You know what I mean? Like, missing curfew. Like, just being like, yo, this is the time to enjoy myself. Man, I wouldn't be able to survive in that hotel. I don't understand. Man, I don't know how you did it. Like, it couldn't have been me. I would have been jumping on every chick I seen in there that I thought was fine. Like in our business, there's like a PR business. And like the PR business is like building up your name. But I never had PR in the 90s. I was like, PR for what? I'm on TV shows. What do I need PR for? I'm already on the show. You know, say it wasn't no social media. It's just like, so I feel like a lot of stories kind of never surface because the the headline would have been the guy from Cousin Skeeter. Like it wouldn't have been like my name. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's like Cause I, ne- I was never pushing my name. I never did the PR thing. So it was never like Robert Richard scandal. So I feel like a lot of things didn't really like stick to me because my name was not there. It was just like either the dude from Cousin Skeeter or the dude from one-on-one. And that's not like a headline, like Chris Brown did some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like it ain't a headline like that. So I kind of got to like enjoy the fruits of my labor without having the repercussions of like having to deal with the scrutiny. So it's kind of nice actually. And and now I'm older and I'm wise and I got to be more responsible. I got kids watching, so I got to like push my name out there and be an example. Yes, yes, I heard that. Yeah, I, I come from a small town and I'm actually from North Carolina, currently in Atlanta. And a small okay, town. Where, where, where in North Carolina? Uh, outside of Raleigh, this little town called Zeblin. Okay, I've been to Raleigh before, so. Okay, yeah. So it's it's yeah. like, what, 20 minutes away. So I say that to say, yeah, if we wanted to find things out back in the 90s, you may catch some stuff on TV, but you really had to go out and buy the source, Jet Magazine, Ebony Magazine, and you catch a story that's probably like months old. So, yeah, this day and time, this shit goes up so fast, man. You definitely it's need quick. a PR team. It's fire, yeah. And, you know, it's like when you think back to that era, it was like there was just the juggernauts. There was no, like, people, like, in the middle. It was like if you're not Jordan or you're not Pac, or you're not Denzel, then like nobody cares. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So it was nothing in the middle. It was just like superstars and like everybody else. And the superstars all had the, the name. That was it. Like if a story happened with Pac, it's across the whole nation on every newspaper, every magazine, you know? And I thought like if I don't have my name out there, then I'm being protected because there's not like a story there which was true. But now it's like, things just like, 
go viral and it can be a nobody and they can just blow up from like a TikTok video. It's retarded. Definitely, man. 100% facts. So uh, let's get into Cousin Skeeter, man. How did that role come about? Uh, my cousin's name is Chrisman. He was like one of the best point guards in L.A. And he, he told me about this open casting call for this basketball movie called Four Points that Shaquille O'Neal was hosting. So I would always like talk to Chrisman and be like, everybody say you're the best, but you ain't better than me. You know what I'm saying? So we both went out to this basketball audition and auditioned for it. And we both got called back. Well, I ended up getting the role. So the producers and the directors from all that and from Arliss did my movie and they all won awards, like all these crazy ass awards for a movie for the four points, the basketball thing I did with Shaq. So we did another one that was a baseball story, kind of about like a black kid who like wants to play major league baseball, but they hadn't integrated like major league baseball because Jackie Robinson hadn't become like that dude yet. So we won an award for that. And then all of a sudden, Nickelodeon calls, like, we're going to send Rob, like, a bag of just money. And, like, it's a holding fee. And we'll just figure out a show. And uh, Alonzo Brown, Phil Bowman, uh, Mike Toll, and Brian Robbins came up with this crazy idea of let's make Bill Bellamy a puppet and let's make Rob, like, his cousin. And we'll just make a wild-ass, zany-ass Nickelodeon show out of them. So they fly me to Orlando and I'm on the plane and it's like the finest girl ever is next to me. And I don't say shit to her. <laughs> I'm just sitting on the plane, like, you know what I'm saying? Ordering a mimosa, like I get some OJ, some champagne. And then we get to the Peabody Hotel in Orlando where Nickelodeon was at in Orlando. And I check in, she checks in, and I overhear her name, Megan Good. And I still didn't, I didn't think anything. And then like, I go to the freaking, like the first meeting and she's there and she's like, you're the guy on the plane. I'm like, I'm that dude. <laughs> I'm like, I need a hug. So, um, yeah, it was real. Like the chemistry that I had with Megan was, was real. She's, she's gorgeous. And she was already like, you know, like our generation's Holly Berry. So I have a lot of love for, for Megan. All right, man. I have to ask. I hundred percent have to ask. Did you shoot your shot with Megan? Listen, that woman is a, a committed woman and her husband is a God-fearing man. And so he's a big, big staple. I think everybody would be an idiot not to shoot their shot with Megan Good. I mean, you know, but but I, I really respect who she is now and, you know, her family and her husband too. Her husband, he changed my life recently. Yo. I'm going to tell you this right now. That's why I got a lot of respect for him. And I got a lot of uh, uh, respect for the power of the word. I'm having a rough time just like getting over that hip, that hump. And we all had that hump in our head. And it's like we're trying to climb it and like get knocked back down. I had a new hump in my life. I'm driving down the street in L.A. I drive past his barbershop. And I see him sitting in a barber chair. Bro, I pull over get out my whip, go into the barbershop. I'm like, mid haircut. I'm like, yo, I just need you to pray for me. He's like, absolutely, young brother. He's like, just like bow your head. He just starts praying over me. And my luck changed that afternoon. 
I'm like, oh, wow. And like everything has gone different for me, like since I've been on my knee in front of that man. And he just prayed for me. I'm like, that's that's real. Man, that's what's up. I feel you on the hump because I went through that same hump last year. And uh, it took it took a while to get over it, but it can be very hard at times. It's hard, bro. And you just got to survive it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I try to be that person in someone's life now that at least puts them in their room with the person who has that power. Like, I don't have that power, but somebody else does because they're that close to God. And if I can put that person in that room with that person, let them get prayed over, like, I feel like sky's the limit. I'm like, Phew. man, let's get into one-on-one. Okay. I respect Kyler Pratt. I know you respect Kyler Pratt, the whole marriage thing. But I did have this thing with myself. If I ever made it to Hollywood, that's the chick I want to marry. That's the chick I want to be with. Because she is bad. So tell us about one-on-one, how the opportunity came about. She bad, she bad, she bad. I love Kyla. See, the one thing that's different for me about Kyla than everybody else, like, we have the same agent, and I've known Kyla since she was nine years old. So, like, in my head, I can't quite get over the fact that she's, like, a woman. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you... Sometimes you know people like she, she, when we started the show, I think she was 15 and like, I'm like, I don't know, like, let's say like I'm six years older than Kyla. So like, I was waiting for her to be like 18, you know what I'm saying? And like in that role, I'm going to be like big bro to her. Cause I'm just looking out for her. You know what I'm saying? Like making sure she's like navigating these streets and a lot of niggas are trying to get at her. So I think that that kind of always kind of shaped that, relationship of being like big bro to little sis type even though i know that she's quite quite unbelievably beautiful and saying she's got mad swag but i just can't see like i can't see her as an adult you just yet, you know i feel you on that because i remember some years back when she was pregnant like a lot of people making a big deal about it because i i still think people see her as this little girl from back in the day but she's a grown-ass woman now Little girl, little girl. And like, what's crazy is like, so like on our set, like everybody called Kyla little mama and they called her that cause she got five younger brothers and sisters. So she's like making the bread, but then like taking care of her whole family. You know what I'm saying? Like all her brothers and sisters and like really hold it down. Like, yo, I know you're my little brother, but I'll spank your ass right now. Like, so we just called her little, little mama. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm sure like for her, when people are giving her pushback, like on having a child, she's like, I've been a little, like a mom, like to my brothers and sisters my whole life. Like this ain't nothing new to me. You know what I'm saying? I've been changing diapers since I was like, you know, a little kid. Like it ain't a challenge being, uh, you know, a woman who's a mother, you know what I'm saying? So, and you know, I, I deal with that too. Where like, you know, I'm, I'm 37. People don't know I'm 37. People are like, I get carted at the liquor store for buying like wine coolers. You know what I'm saying? Like, so how did the one-on-one opportunity come about? And how was it working with Flex Alexander? Okay, so I'll just be frank with you and just talk with you. So the one-on thing was kind of like, happened so fast. It was like, uh, Yunetta was the showrunner. God bless Yunetta. That's like my heart. 
and she was writing on my wife and kids. And I just did a recurring episode on my wife and kids. So Kyla and I have the same agent. So they were making the show for Kyla and Flex. And they're like, we need to have like a guy like love interest. And Kyla was like, why don't you just use Robert? So she like looked out for me. So then they called me and asked me to do the role. And I kind of like read the role and I was like, so he's got like nipple piercings and he plays guitar and he's got like blonde hair. Like that don't sound like nothing I want to do. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, uh, nah. So they call back and they're like, you're going to be on the show. Like, so they bring me in. They have like 40 bosses, like 40 producers and like directors and everybody from the studio and the network there. And they make me audition and I tank the audition. I mean, I bomb so hard because I had never played like comedy. So I didn't, I didn't know it. And so I fail. And then Yunetta, who's the, like the boss boss, she was like, it don't matter if he failed, he's still getting hired. So they still put me on. The first week at work, I failed every joke. Failed, 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 failed. And my head was on the chopping blocks. And uh, Chip Fields uh, from, like, she directed Different Worlds, directed 227. Kim Fields is her daughter. Um, She walks up to me on the night of taping, and she says, don't do anything. Just look straight and say the line. So my first take on the first night of filming, I said this one line and everybody broke out laughing. And I don't know what I did, but it just, it just worked. And then from there, I figured out comedy after that. And then that became Arnez. And then like the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, 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 that's that age group. But then, so like with flex, it was like, it was flex's show, but I don't know. I felt like some people were mad at me cause they felt like I didn't like respect like the business. And it wasn't that I didn't respect it. Just that like, I was still living in LA with all my friends growing up and was dealing with my own stuff. So I didn't put too much pressure on myself, like at work. I just came up, did my job and then left and went to go see my niggas and getting in trouble. You know what I'm saying? And so flex would like challenge me a lot. And, and I would tell him, listen, man, like if you challenge me one more time, like, all this Hollywood hierarchy stuff goes out the window. Like, I'm a fuck you up. And like, that ain't. Thank you for listening to the Yo Rewind That podcast. Be sure to check back next week to listen to part two of this episode. But in the meantime, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Yo Rewind That.